books tonight, 421. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life, 421. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the Blessed One gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinnerless to the loving call, words of life. Jesus, we give and willing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call, words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all, wonderful words of life. He's us only Savior, sanctified forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. And 531, I know whom I have believed. I know not why God's wondrous grace to me he hath made known, nor why Christ in his boundless love redeemed me for his own. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know not how this saving faith to me he did impart, nor how believing in his word wrought peace within my heart. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to Unto him against that day. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith within. But I know I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. I know that when my Lord may come at night or noonday fair, nor if I walk the veil with him or meet him in the air, singing out, but I know who 
believeth and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that time. If you know, say amen. 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 Let's turn to 558. It's so simple. Just put your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Amen. 558. Have you failed in your plan of your storm-tossed life? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Are you weary and worn from its toil and strife? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Are you walking alone through the shadows deep? Place your hand in the nails, God hand. Christ will comfort your heart. Put your trust in Him. Place your hand in the nails, God hand. Place your hand in the nails, God Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. He will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand, nail-scarred hand. On that last is your soul burdened down with its load of sin. Place your hand in the nail. Hand. Throw your heart open wide, let the Savior in, place your hand in the nail's guard hand, place your hand in the nail's guard hand, place your hand in the nail's guard hand, he will keep to the end. He's your dearest friend. Place your hand in the nail's guard hand. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful message of the songs that we've sung tonight. Lord, we're thankful that the words of this book called the Bible teach us not only about this life, but about eternal life. And Lord, we're thankful that you paid the price that we could go free. All we have to do is put our trust in you. Lord, we ask that you would be with us as we examine the scriptures, as we look again into the picture book that you have created for us. Lord, let us see not only with the eye of our mind, but with the eye of our heart. Let the words touch us and teach us. Lord, let us be careful 
about the truths that are in your word, that we would live them each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And um, just uh, want to ask you to uh, keep praying for uh, the situation with Candy. We are making some progress there, and as anything develops solid, uh, we will sure to let you know, but that probably won't be until Sunday or more before we'll be together again, but um, please, please keep her uh, in prayer if you would, and um, um, keep the construction in prayer downstairs. Uh, the doors are locked. Uh, we would ask that uh, no one go down there unescorted. Please make sure the kids don't go down there. It is dangerous down there where we're working. Uh, we've actually been pulling down some walls and, and uh, rearranging a few things. And so um, uh, being in prayer, we're about, oh, let's see, probably about 90%, 80% ready for the tapers to start taping Monday. And about 60% ready for the tile guy to show up a week from Friday, tomorrow. Uh, and so, um, guys, uh, be posted. Uh, we're uh, probably going to have to have a work night, um, maybe Monday or, or Tuesday or Wednesday night or all three next week. Uh, just let us know, again, what we're trying to do. Uh, trying to do, we'll have a, a, a printout in the bulletin, the hours that we'll be working, and if you have some free time and want to come by, uh, we will uh, uh, definitely be uh, using and needing your help if that is possible. And uh, as we said before, what we're trying to do is uh, take advantage of the men and their work crews. We've got uh, uh, four guys showing up uh, Monday night, Lord willing, and then four more showing up Friday. And uh, the four showing up Friday are the tile guys. And and uh, if we can take advantage uh, of all of that work, uh, by the end, uh, in the next two weeks, uh, we'll be about two-thirds of the way done with our renovation project. The only two big projects we'll have left will be the ceiling and the carpeting in the floor. And uh, we're going to be throwing out a few contacts. We got a man that's already promised to come down and help us with the ceiling, uh, put the ceiling up. And uh, we're going to be uh, throwing out a couple other lines, see if we can get somebody on the hook who knows how to lay carpet. Would you pray for that? Uh, that would be a wonderful thing. And we talked about that Sunday, um, being able to get the carpet tiles uh, like are down in the downstairs already, the good Millican carpet tiles for three dollars or eight dollars a square yard. Uh, that stuff normally goes for thirty dollars a square yard, and so uh, you know that's that's really cheap. We'll get be getting some samples in the next few weeks, so you pray. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, if we can, if this tile guy gets it all done, guess what? You're not going to hear any more big, long, rambling updates because we'll, we'll have some breathing room finally. So uh, 
the next two weeks are the most critical time of our entire project. So uh, if you don't mind being squoze a little bit, it, it will really make a difference in the next two weeks. So just wanted to give you all those updates. Um, we're supposed to have two inches of snow before Saturday morning. It's not going to stay long, and uh, it'll probably melt, but we'll still have visitation Saturday afternoon, amen, and uh, men's prayer meeting and, and church services on Sunday, and uh, keep those things in prayer if you would, and uh, we'll just see uh, what the Lord is going to do. Let's sing one more song. This song might be kind of scary in the light of the talk we just gave, but it's anywhere with Jesus. Amen? Even in the basement. Uh, 584. Anywhere with Jesus. Amen? As we sing it out tonight. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus, I need fear no ill. Though temptations gather round my pathway still. He himself was tempted that he might help me. Anywhere with Jesus I may victor be. Where, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over dreary ways, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. Anywhere fear I cannot know, anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Let's sing that fourth as a last. Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free. As he summons me to go or stay, anywhere with Jesus as he points the way. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Amen. You may be seated. And um, let me just get a final count. No. Uh, Peter, you're going to have to take him to the back, okay? And uh, just before we get into the message, um, let me get a count on the men that are going to the men's retreat in Montreal in two weeks. If I can just make sure I got you all on the list there. No, Stephen, you're not going. Um, okay, okay, I got everybody. looks like there's about... Uh, Brother Shravia is going to be going with us, and uh, a couple, um, let me see here, I know Teddy Kutras said he was going, so it looks like there's about seven, eight of us all together maybe, and if you don't have the information or want that, see me afterwards, 
Let's take our Bibles, if we would, and turn to the book of Leviticus. Now, tonight we're going to overlap just a little bit here. Uh, we're going to deal not only with the high priest, but in dealing with the duties and the person of the high priest, it, it just fits in better to, uh, I believe anyway, it should make a little more uh, uh, cog, uh, continuity, that's the word I'm looking for, uh, to uh, deal with this thing called the Day of Atonement. Even to this day, the Jewish people still celebrate uh, a, a special holy day called Yom Kippur. And uh, some of you remember the Yom Kippur War, depending on what part of the country you come from, how they pronounce all those things. But that comes from right here in Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. This was the most special day of the year for the high priest. This was the greatest duty that he had to do. He only did this once a year. And uh, the high priest had to be, I mean, totally prepared for this day. Um, this was the day where the high priest, again, the Old Testament word is atonement, the rolling back or the covering of sin. The New Testament word is redemption, the buying back, the finished purchase. And uh, this is known as the day of atonement. This was the day when the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies. Only on this day was he allowed to enter in to the Holy of Holies. Only on this day would he offer the sacrifices of the Day of Atonement. It was a special day. Now, in the New Testament times, they had some little traditions that they believed in. The, the priest... Uh, would carry a, a, a crimson thread it had, and uh, as the high priest performed the rituals of the Day of Atonement, that crimson thread was supposed to turn white and that was somehow proof that God had accepted their sacrifice and the whole purpose of that was the temple in Jesus' day, there was no mercy seat. All there was in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jesus' day was a white marble slab. The proof of acceptance when the mercy seat was in the Holy of Holies was the high priest came out alive. If God was not going to accept their sacrifice, the high priest would be killed instantly. Now, just to put your mind at ease, we have no history, either biblical or outside of the Bible, in the tradition of the Jewish people where God ever killed a high priest on the Day of Atonement. And that's a very comforting thought because God is in the business of forgiving sin. Amen. And so as we look at these, I just want to 
We're just going to read. We're going to have to read some scripture here. I know some of you have been through this uh, part before, but uh, I, I don't mind going through it again. I hope you don't. And um, we're going to just start in, uh, in verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died, and the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil, before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in a cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat, and he shall have linen breeches upon his flesh. And shall be girded with the linen girdle, and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself. And for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Now, how many of you have ever heard of a scapegoat? How many of you knew that came from the Bible in the Day of Atonement? A couple. But only after you learned about it here, right? Uh, because there's just not much teaching on these things today. Because people, uh, I don't know, it, you get dealing with these things and it destroys a lot of religious tradition. It really does. It's just frightening what it does, what studying the Bible will do to most theology books. Uh, you just throw them out and take the Bible, amen? And so, as we look here, there, here's where this idea of a scapegoat came from. And you'll find out uh, that we don't really use it quite the way that the Bible does. But there, there is a connection, and you'll probably see that before the end of the, our night. It says, And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell, and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him, and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord. And his hands full of sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. 
Am I hearing a little popping sound somewhere? Boy, I am. Why don't you turn this mic off and try this one? There, it's gone. All right. Um, love technical difficulties here. But let's... Uh, um, verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. So shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself and for his household and for the congregation of Israel. And he shall go out unto the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the altar round about. And he shall sprinkle of the blood upon it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And uh, we'll read on here and pick up a couple more verses here. But what basically happened on this day is he would stand, and you'll notice that he did not wear the full ornate garments of the high priest. Just a simple white robe, a linen uh, girdle, it says, linen breeches, and he was dressed very plainly. He was to offer that sacrifice. He could not go into the Holy of Holies until he had first taken fire from off the brazen altar and put incense and filled that Holy of Holies with a cloud of smoke of the incense. Now remember, in the Holy of Holies, there was no light. The only light in the tabernacle was the candlestick. And once he stepped behind that veil, he could not see anything. Now the room was very small. It was about 15 feet square. And so there was, there was not a lot of room to maneuver around, and he didn't need to maneuver around. But he was to... Go in front of the Ark of the Covenant and with his finger dip it in that blood and sprinkle on that Ark of the Covenant. Remember what sat on top of the Ark? The mercy seat. And he would sprinkle the blood on that mercy seat seven times. He would then go out and then have two baby goats one was the scapegoat. And what would happen to that scapegoat is after all the regular sacrifices are made, he would appoint a young, strong, very fit person to run into the wilderness with that baby goat. And he would go way out into the wilderness so far away there was no way that that baby goat could ever find its way back to civilization and he would let that baby goat loose 
maybe give a little pat on the haunches or something. I imagine after being carried under that guy's arm for several miles out into the wilderness, he's probably so glad to get away from that guy, he just ran any direction he could. And, and that was a picture or a representation of how God separates our sins from us. He took that little goat out into the wilderness where no one lived and let that goat go. And no one ever seen, ever knew what became of that goat. It, it says here that, um, um, where is it here? And the verse 22, it says, And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. And then we have Aaron is going to change his garments and put on the garments of the priest, and he is going to make an offering. When we come down to verse 27, I want to just touch on this. And the bullock for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall one carry forth without the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins and their flesh and their dung, and he that burneth them shall wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in water, and afterwards he shall come into the camp. And this shall be a statute forever unto you, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, ye shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger that sojourneth among you, for on that day shall the priest make an atonement to cleanse you, that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls by statute forever. And we're going to stop reading there, but this is, like I said, the crowning event of the duties of the high priest. And the reason why we want to bring this is because this is a picture. This was spelled out word for word. And as you read through here, one of the biggest complaints about the book of Leviticus is the tediousness of the writing. I mean, it just goes back and forth and seems to repeat itself over and over and over again. Well, let me uh, just put forth a very simple, maybe it might be a humorous example you how many of you remember what it was like to be a teenager do you remember that how many times did somebody have to tell you something before you understood what part of no they were speaking about Does anybody remember that i wasn't the only one was i okay good no philip you haven't gotten there yet we're not looking forward to that either. He had his hand up. He remembered what it was to be a teenager. Now, does that kind of answer the question why God is so tedious in the book of Leviticus? There is no room for mistakes here. God is very careful about what he says. 
And if you will read through and, and put up with all the repetition in the book of Leviticus, you will get a very clear picture in your own mind and heart as to exactly what God wanted that priest and the others to do on this Day of Atonement. This was the day in the year where God took the sum total of all your sins and He gave atonement or He accepted the cleansing for those sins. This was the day. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think the blood of that goat and the blood of that bullock actually paid for sins? Could the blood of an animal actually pay for your sins? No. God was giving us living pictures. From the day Adam and Eve sinned and God came in the cool of the evening, what did He do? He took those animals and He killed them. Adam and Eve watched Him as he tanned those hides and made clothing for them. And, and no, it wasn't uh, Fred and Flintstone-type garments. Uh, God's a little better tailor than that, amen. He's a little, he, he insists on modesty and decency. Uh, the fig leaves were what were indecent. God made a covering for them with those animal skins. And uh, we don't know what kind of animal God offered. It just says that He took skins of animals. Maybe they had to watch Him as He sewed them together. And uh, God gave them a covering that day. That's what the Day of Atonement is all about. Now we're going to go to the New Testament high priest. And... and uh, I'm going to try not to be too tedious. I could spend a whole night on every one of these, but uh, I'm looking forward to the time when we start our study in the book of Hebrews, and if I can ever finish this one, we'll get started with it. But uh, uh, I, I think we'll finish what's on uh, our schedule for tonight anyway. Hebrews chapter 3 is where we're going to start. And the book of Hebrews is... oh. Uh, I don't know how to put it other than uh, I do. There's several different ways and they're all crowding into my mind at the same time. But uh, Hebrews is God's switchboard for the Bible. Remember the days of the old switchboard where the operator had to pull out the, uh, the connecting line and plug it in to make the connection? That's what Hebrews does. It makes the connections of the Bible. Without the book of Hebrews, the Bible will forever be a mystery and a bunch of confusion to you. But once you start making the connections that the book of Hebrews makes, it's going to turn on the light and the Bible will literally become one book in your hand. The book of Hebrews is what God has given us to do that. Now look at verse 3, I mean chapter 3, uh, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. What a connection, my friend. The faith that we have as New Testament Christians 
the writer of Hebrews, uh, I don't know why, I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Nobody does. And I keep saying Paul every time, but it, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. The author of this book says, tells us, listen, brethren, you that are saved, you that have put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, I want you to take a minute and I want you to consider the apostle. The word apostle is the message giver. That's why Jesus had a few apostles, many disciples. I'm not giving you any new message. I'm repeating the message the apostles already gave us. There are no apostles today because there's no new message. You've got to get a handle on what's written down. And that will only take a lifetime. Amen? If you can just get a handle on what's written down, don't look for anything new until you get everything that's already written down taken care of. And by the time you do, you'll be in heaven and you won't be worried about any of this new stuff that goes on today. I mean, you can't new and improve God. Amen? Don't try. Many have tried before. And all they end up with is missing heaven in many cases. It's serious stuff. But let's read on. It says, The apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house hath more honor than the house. Every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, be careful. Keep the Bible in context. You do not possess the faith because you hold it firm unto the end. If you have the faith, the faith itself is firm unto the end. That's why Paul says in the book of Philippians, he said, I pursue after, he said, I'm going after that thing that I may apprehend that which I am already apprehended up. Now, that wasn't word perfect, but you got the idea. Paul said, the faith that I have in Jesus Christ already has a hold of me. But there's a drive to the true Christian faith that's going to keep you moving on because there's so much more that you can get in your relationship with Christ. You see, God is an unfathomable being. You can't comprehend all of God. And so, you just get to know Him better and better and better until He consumes and fills you with His presence. And then the world around us doesn't see us. They see Him. That's the goal of real Christianity. And that's what it means to hold that profession unto the end. Jesus is the builder of the house. He is the high priest. 
He is greater than Moses. Moses was the man that God used to give Israel and the world the law of God. It's funny how far we've come in American society that we will not allow the Ten Commandments to be placed in a public school building because we're afraid that it might influence unduly the students that attend school there. I wish we would, amen? You wonder why they act like animals? Well, from the time that they're in kindergarten, they show them pictures of half-hairy monkeys and said, this was your great-great-grandfather. You're just a process of evolution. You're just here by chance. You're a meaningless blob of DNA. You got lucky. I thought they were talking about Michael Jordan. But anyway, uh, talking about meaningless blobs of DNA, amen? But some kids worship that guy. And he promotes it and loves it. And that's... Hey, listen. My hero is not some guy that can carry a lousy ball or throw it or do anything else with My God doesn't play games. The God of this book called the Bible is dead serious about the forgiveness of sins. So serious that if that high priest under the law had so much as one speck of dirt on his feet, he would have been killed instantly the moment he set foot in the tabernacle. If that high priest had decided that he was going to get his own fire for the incense, God would have blowed him right out of that tabernacle. In fact, he had already burnt up Nadab and Abihu, two of Aaron's sons, his eldest two sons, if they list them in order of age. God had completely burnt them up in their robes. He didn't burn the robes, just the guys in them. Because he's so serious about this stuff. We have people today that treat God as if he were an old fuddy-duddy sitting in a rocking chair saying, Oh, it's not so bad. I'm a little tired. I'm very old. Don't call God the man upstairs. There are some guys uh, I was witnessing on the street. And he said, me and J.C. have a thing. I said, you and who? I said, are you talking about that freak from the 60s with the sunshine band? Or, or No, that was K.C., wasn't it? And uh, he said, no, no. He said, I, 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 mean, I mean Jesus Christ, J.C. I said, that's blasphemous. He said, you're ridiculous. I said, well, when we stand before God, we'll find out who's ridiculous, my friend. He's not J.C. He is Jesus Christ. And by the way, he doesn't want us becoming Jesus freaks. I got a book the other day called Jesus Freak. And uh, you're supposed to be one. Now, you'll be strange enough just obeying the words of the Bible. Amen? Don't try to be weird following Jesus. Just follow him. Amen? And so, as we look here, Jesus is the high priest. How many of you know where we're going with this thing? We're going to the Day of Atonement. Because that's where Jesus, one time in all of history, 
paid the price for every sin that was ever sinned. You want to know how serious God is about sin? He's not going to let us mealy-mouthed, sinful little human beings do anything to take care of our sins. Jesus did it all for us. And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. Even on Thursday night when the heat's too high. I mean, come on, think about this thing. That Jesus paid the price of every sin. He is the high priest. He is the one that went into the Holy of Holies. Not as a high priest on earth, but as the high priest of both heaven and earth. His garments on that day were very plain. In fact, as he hung on the cross, our understanding is that he was stripped of every garment to cover him except the crown of thorns. They wanted to shame him. I, I can't go through this. I mean, I've been humming over... Uh, I'm not a big believer of singing Christmas songs all through the year. I, I love the hymns and everything, but I think of We Three Kings. That last verse. God and King and Sacrifice. Jesus was all of those. Let's go to Hebrews 9.24 and we're just going to touch on it here and then we're going to come back and really go through it. Nine, Just, just verse 24. It says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now, I, I want to just spend a moment here dealing with the, the garments of the high priest. The high priest was not accepted as a high priest. The high priest would, would be killed if he wore his own clothes. He had to wear God's clothes. He had to wear those garments that were specially designed for him. And if you'll remember, in the daily duties of the high priest, he had the breastplate with the most precious jewels, 12 jewels. Each one was to represent one of the 12 tribes of Israel. On each shoulder was the names of the 12 tribes. The high priest bore the names of the children of Israel before God on a daily basis on his shoulders to show his strength and over his heart to show his love. Jesus bears our names before the Father on a daily basis. Look over here, just Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. It says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth, to make intercession for them. Uh, we, we have many ideas today about prayer, and we've talked about those in the past, but I, I want you to think about something. And, and I don't mean to be uh, rude or cutting, but we just want to be honest today. Uh, there are people out there who believe that they can pray to the departed souls of other human beings and have them bring their prayers before God. Well, let's just pick on, uh, oh, what's that one? Isn't St. Joseph the one you put on your car? 
to protect you when you're traveling? Huh? St. Christopher, that's right. I wonder how many people pray to St. Christopher every day. Now let's just stop and do some math here. There's, uh, he is a, a saint of both the Orthodox and the Catholic Church, I believe. That's somewhere around uh, one real close to a billion people worldwide. Does anybody know how many seconds there are in a day? Um, I don't remember, but it's a lot. But it's not anywhere near a million. But let's say a million out of that billion. We're praying to St. Christopher during one 24-hour period. That'd be pretty safe. I mean, that's a minuscule percentage-wise. That would really be low. How in the world would a human being be able to process so many prayers in a 24-hour period? Somebody said, well, there's no time in heaven and there's no... But just, I want you to stop and just think about this thing. His existence in heaven, if he really did this, would have to be absolutely miserable because he would be taking everybody else's stuff before God. And he'd have no time to do the things that you're supposed to do in heaven, which is worship God. But Jesus, as God, can communicate. Absolutely everything because he's God. We're not even talking the difference between dial up and wideband here. I mean, we are talking direct communication with God. That's why this thing called prayer in the Bible is relegated only to God. We are to pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God, which he uses the Bible to teach us. Amen? And so we see that uh, this person named Jesus, remember the Urim and the Thummim? That's where you were able to ask questions and get a direct answer from God. You can ask Jesus and get a direct answer from God. He is our direction. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. He bears our names before the Father as the high priest wore them upon his garments. We look here in Hebrews chapter 7, and we'll just run through here, and let's start in verse 15. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, that's the Old Testament law, but after the power of an endless life, for he testifieth, thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment, going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And as much, and inasmuch as not without an oath he was made a made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever. 
after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. we got to read verse 25 again. Wherefore he is able, what? Also, to save them to the uttermost that come unto God, how? By him. Not by the church. Not by good works. Not by what you do. Not by what somebody says, but by Jesus Christ. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this did once when he offered up himself. Jesus is the sacrifice for sin. Now, we've got five minutes left, and I want us to get to the heart of this. Turn with me to chapter 9 and verse 12. Jesus' priestly duties were not in the physical temple or tabernacle on earth. If they were, that was already the job of the Levites. Jesus had a better job and a higher job and a different tabernacle than that which was here on earth. Verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Look with me, verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in heaven should be purified with these. That's talking about the Old Testament law and the tabernacle in the temple. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once, can we read that again? But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin, Unto salvation. Now that messes up a lot of theological textbooks, let me tell you. Jesus, as the high priest of our salvation, entered once into heaven, into the very presence of God for us. Now how Jesus did this, I can't rightly explain. I just know the Bible says that He did. And on Resurrection Sunday, if, if you read the text there, as Jesus had resurrected from the tomb, He met Mary outside the tomb. And He called her name. But Jesus charged her. He said, Mary, touch me not. For I must ascend to my God and to your God. 
just a little bit later, according to the, the taking the four gospel accounts and putting them together, Jesus met the other group of women as they were still running back to the city of Jerusalem to tell the disciples. And it says that they held Him by His feet. Something happened. And I believe Hebrews chapter 9, the passage we just read, gives us the connection. As Jesus, our high priest, stood in the very presence of God and dipped his hand into a bowl of his own blood and sprinkled it, and the only way I know how to say it, on the very lap of God. Those blood stains are there today. Those bloodstains are where your salvation was purchased. That's why you cannot help God save you. You must accept it. That's why there's no requirement of things to do to get salvation. If you were here for Sunday school, we went through the story of Cain. The beginning of all false religion, the offering of God to the work of man's hands. God said, I'm not going to accept the work of your hands, Cain. I will accept the blood of the innocent because one day my innocent son is going to stand before me and he's going to sprinkle his blood and that's where my salvation is paid for. By the way, that's why you can't lose your salvation. Because Jesus did it. Uh, you would have to get into heaven and fight your way through the angels, through the elders, through the four mighty beasts, and then with God Himself to get rid of the blood that is on His garments that paid for your sin. I'm telling you, it's not going to get done. And by the way, if you ever had that in your heart, you don't need to worry about it because it never applied to you in the first place. Anybody who would want to take their salvation away. Hey, that's the forgiveness of my sins. All of them. That's the only way you get into heaven is by the blood-sprinkled mercy seat. One more connection. We've just got to make this one. Hebrews chapter 13. Now you remember on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would have others, not himself, that's important, he would have others take the body, the carcass, of that bullock and of that baby goat whose blood had been sprinkled in the, on the mercy seat and anointed on the horns of the altar and sprinkled around the brazen altar. They would uh, take those bodies of those carcasses of those beasts and they would pull them out of the camp, out of the... A place where people normally lived and they would burn them wholly by fire until everything was consumed. These sacrifices, these animals, the only mark that was on them when they began the burning process was the slice across the throat where they began to drain the blood out of that animal for the, pro for the sprinkling of the blood in the different places in the tabernacle. Those animals were wholly consumed. Look at verse... Um, oh, verse 10 is where we're going to start our reading in, in Hebrews 13. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. 
Boy, that messes up a bunch of theology, doesn't it? You cannot eat of this table, my friend. This table is the sacrifice for sin. We have no right to eat of that table. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of the finished work. It has nothing to do with the work that Jesus did. It says, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also... Connection. Wherefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Jesus suffered on a cross outside the city gates of Jerusalem. He offered himself to God. He was the high priest, and the sacrifice. Resurrection Sunday morning, he gathered his blood into a bowl and ascended up into the very presence of God. Those elders, they weren't there. They were still waiting for the act to be happened. The angels... Looked down, they didn't understand what was about to happen. Those four mighty beasts who spend 24 hours a day crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, were silent and parted the way. As Jesus Christ Himself stood before the throne of God and dipped His hand in that blood, Isaiah chapter 53 says it satisfied him to bruise him. Our sins were paid for. And the only way heaven can be your home, my friend, is to trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He said it is finished on the cross. And it was. He sprinkled his blood on that mercy seat. And he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's a high priest. He is praying for you. He is praying for me. He says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to see these wonderful truths. That we'd be able to grasp and, and understand the price that was paid for our sins. Lord, it was all pictured in the Old Testament high priest but it was lived in Jesus Christ. Lord, my prayer for each one of us in this room tonight is that we would trust Jesus as our Savior. 
that we would trust only in the finished sacrifice of Christ. And that we would look only to what He has done for our salvation. Lord, those that are saved here tonight, our prayer is that today we would be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. And that we would live tomorrow in the shadow of the blood-sprinkled mercy seat. Keep us from ourselves, dear Lord. Keep us from the desires of our own wicked hearts. Keep us from the temptations that are there. And let us remember that every sin that was ever sinned was paid for once on the blood-sprinkled mercy seat in heaven. Lord, we're so thankful that we have no part in that sacrifice, no right to eat at that table. But we can rejoice forever in the forgiveness that was paid for there. We ask you to work. In Jesus' name we pray. And let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We'll take just a moment tonight.